As the world of work has changed in response to COVID-19, courts around the country have adapted to the situation. Some have postponed hearings, opting to address only emergent matters. Others have quickly regrouped and are holding hearings remotely. One federal organization, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, has been holding multi-day, multi-witness, full trials via remote access. This is not the case at the immigration courts around the U.S. I am Mimi Tsankoff, and I serve as the Eastern Region Vice President of the U.S. Immigration Judges Union, the National Association of Immigration Judges. Today, we have national leaders to explain what's working and what isn't, and what the plan is going forward. Each of the speakers with the National Association of Immigration Judges is speaking in their union capacity. First, Ashley Tabador, president of the Judges Association, known as NAIJ. What I can say is that a lot of people don't fully appreciate that, that the immigration courts are not your traditional courts. We are a court within a law enforcement department, the Justice Department. So the decision-making apparatus that governs us is, is quite problematic. And we saw it most glaringly in their response to the pandemic. What happened was uh, by February, everyone was talking about this new virus that is making its way across the country. There was a lot of concern about the risk, the health risks that we were particularly facing because of the unique nature of our jobs. We have hundreds and hundreds of people that are coming to our courts every day, morning and afternoon, and that was presenting very, very serious health considerations. We attempted to raise that with the administration, with the agency, to no avail. And it really took a concerted and, and an unprecedented coalition of unlikely organizations to stand up and speak up publicly and put extreme pressure on the agency to do the right thing. By March, we had a coalition of the prosecutors, the defense bar, the NAIJ, which is the Union of Immigration Judges, as well as public health experts come out together in one uniform voice saying that the immigration courts need to recognize that there is this new reality, that there is this pandemic, and that we cannot have business as usual. There was a call for immediate and temporary suspension of all hearings so that we as a nation can work together and flatten this curve. Unfortunately, it took many weeks before the agency responded, and it wasn't until mid-March when they took the first big steps. And that's when they suspended all the non-detained hearings. But to date, they haven't really closed any courts permanently. And that is one common confusion. People say people, courts have been closed. It hasn't been closed. Everything has been kept open for purposes of the optics. In the midst of the pandemic and at the worldwide epicenter of the coronavirus, hearings continued to be held at the Varick Immigration Court. Judge Amina Khan, Executive Vice President at the NAIJ. Most notably and most egregiously, the detained hearings continued at the Varick Detention Facility. The Varick Detention Facility is located in New York City at the epicenter of the virus. The continued operation at the Varick Street Court exposed immigration judges, court employees, and all participants in the process to the risk of contracting this highly communicable and deadly disease. The courts remain open in spite of stay-at-home orders and pause orders in states and cities and communities. And AIJ repeatedly asked EOIR and DOJ to take into consideration the uh, uh, public health directives in their decision-making. 
EOIR continues to take the position that immigration courts functions are exempt from state and city decrees. Uh, continuing to keep the courts open in spite of the stay-at-home orders created confusion for court employees and court participants. So how have the courts been operating even though non-detained hearings have been postponed? Sam Cole, Communications Director. So I, uh, I cover a detained docket in Chicago. And the detained docket is operating um, at, I can't really say full steam ahead, uh, but certainly we are holding hearings. But th th there has been many, there have been many changes really uh, from what we were, how we were operating prior to the pandemic. All in-person hearings, at least in Chicago, have been stopped. Not only does, does uh, DHS not want to move respondents around um, and bring them to court, we, we don't want them in court either, right? We, we are, we're very happy at this point with, with the televideo because we actually are very uncomfortable with, with uh, you know, bringing people together, obviously. So I have now additional detention centers all over the country. Now, not just in, in Illinois and, and Wisconsin and, and Kentucky. So it, 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 it's become logistically very complicated. We know that other courts are handling cases remotely successfully. Why hasn't this type of technology that's being used in other courts been adopted at the immigration court. Dorothy Harbeck, treasurer of the Judges Association and a judge seated in New York. I've been an immigration judge for nearly 15 years and I made the transition from recording my hearings on cassette tapes to the sophisticated digital audio uh, uh, recording system actually with ease, with, with minimal uh, uh, instruction and with ease. Uh, Remote hearings make sense in the current climate. They make good sense. Remote hearing means a full immigration hearing where both parties are heard by the judge and the, the hearing is recorded for appeal purposes. Remote hearings also means that no one, not the parties, not the interpreter, not the judge, needs to commute into an infected city to enter a crowded building and expose themselves to health risks. The union has proposed holding remote hearings for the most urgent cases from all the courts in all the states. State courts and other federal courts have been doing this for months. Documents can be emailed, lawyers can be easily reached, and special hearings for persons without lawyers can be arranged. The agency has the technology. The immigration courts have been conducting telephonic and video hearings for years. We don't know why the agency won't consider using the technology it already has to conduct hearings in a way that minimize personal health risks. It would decrease the court's staggering backlog while safeguarding the health of its employees. We've looked at some of the issues that have been plaguing the courts during the pandemic. Judge Tabador, what do you think should be done at this time? There's always a Band-Aid solution and then there is the actual solution. The court system has been dealing with the Band-Aid solution for years and, and I think the pandemic at this point has really highlighted the importance of focusing on the long-term solution. And the long-term solution requires us to really look at the source of the problem, which is the structural flaw, the design flaw of having a court system and a law enforcement agency. What that does is it compromises both the logistical administration of the court so we have people who are not qualified to be running a court, being placed in those positions. And it also compromises the integrity of the court. So the leadership decision-making process is oftentimes more committed to law enforcement priorities than to what a court system would need to be mindful of. 
So with that, I think we need to pause and really look to see how can we fix this for good, which means we need to remove the immigration court from the Justice Department and create an independent court that is actually run by individuals who are qualified to run it and that the decision makers are those who are committed to the principles governing a court system rather than the principles governing a law enforcement agency. What steps is the Judges Union taking to address independence? Don O'Hare, Western Region Vice President. It's really critical that we fix the structural flaw in the immigration court system. Uh, we are at a court that's housed within a law enforcement agency, the Department of Justice. And if you look at this from the proper perspective, almost all of the problems we see, including the problems we see now with an adaptation to the uh, coronavirus pandemic, stem from this structural flaw. And so we've been working uh, uh, to uh, put the word out uh, that we do need to fix this flaw by creating an independent court, what uh, would be an Article I court created under Article I of the Constitution by Congress that would provide some uh, level of independence for the immigration courts and the judges that serve within them. And so this is really critical and we're working uh, as best we can in the public forum and also through uh, persons who have uh, interest in achieving the same goals on Capitol Hill to make sure that those uh, interests are heard. Judge Tabador, what can members of the public do about this situation? So first thing you want to do is educate everyone about this design flaw. Second thing you want to do is to get your representative on the Hill to support the creation of an independent immigration court.